coming up next on Abounding Grace. Give us more men and women that are, even when they're weary, are going to stay committed. This world needs committed believers who are willing to pay the spiritual price to grow in grace, not to be messing around, not to be involved in things we shouldn't be involved in, that, that we might keep our hands stuck to the sword. And of course, the sword is pictured in, in Ephesians as the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, that our hands would not let go of the Word. If you desire to be strong in the Lord, then your hands need to be stuck to the Word. This is amazing grace. If someone were to describe you, what words would come to mind? Wouldn't it be nice to be known as a mighty man or woman of God? That can become a reality, and today on Abounding Grace, we'll notice five characteristics that are found in such a person. Pastor Ed Taylor will observe the men who were with David as he turns back to 2 Samuel 23. Now, as we read through the next section, built upon the grace of God, we go back to a few men that were, that were with David. And through them, if you're taking notes, there's going to be five characteristics that I think will really bless you in walking with the Lord and taking things seriously of becoming, if you will, a mighty man, a mighty woman of God. Because as he comes back, he says in verse 8, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb, Bashabeth, the Tachamite, chief among the captains, he who was called a dino, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. Three of David's mighty men are mentioned. And remember, when David was on the run and wanted to get away alone in the cave, the Lord brought those rough guys to him. I'll read it to you in 1 Samuel 22. He was wanting to get away. He wanted to be alone. He wanted to hide in a cave, just sort of be bummed out for a while, take some time alone. And it says, therefore, in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, therefore, when David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam, when his brothers and his father's house heard it, they went down to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered to him. So all these guys, these were a rough group of men, distressed, in debt, running away from their debts, upset, mad, complainers, in distressing types of things. And he became a captain over them. They submitted to him. About 400 of them. And one of them was this guy, Josheb Bashabeth. And, and notice that it says that he killed 800 men at one time. The, the King James and the New Living Translation actually translates this, that they were, says that he lifted up his spear to kill 800 men. So he lifted up his spear. And I think as we are learning as a church, if you want to be a, a strong, mighty man or a mighty woman of God, you need to be prayerful. And the idea of lifting up your spear, lifting up your hands. There's a picture of that in the scriptures. It was Moses when they were battling the Philistines. He was up on the mountain with his hands up. And as his hands became tired, when Joshua was down fighting on behalf of the children of Israel, when his arms were up, there was victory. And when his arms became heavy, they began to lose. 
And so there were those that came alongside of him and lifted up his arms. And here, I like the old King James in this one, where he lifts up his spear and through victory, he slew 800 men at one time. If you want to be effective, you need to keep your hands lifted up. It's another posture of prayer. Now, I don't really believe God is so interested in the posture of prayer as much as the fact that we do pray. But posture of prayer can be very symbolic. When you're singing and there's an instruction, maybe we're singing it or perhaps Pastor Ian or one of the worship leaders instructs you to lift up your hands. Um, you know, lifting up your hands is a, is a sign of surrender. And sometimes that's the song. And some of you have a real resistance to raising up your hands. I don't know what the resistance might be, if it's just somebody sees you or you don't want to be in a place of surrender, uh, but there's a resistance to that. But, but to, to take down 800 difficulties at one time, to take, on, take captive 800 thoughts at one time, and to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to, to come alongside and support the weak in your family and your friendships, you've got to keep your hands up. You've got to keep the sword up like Josheb Bashabeth. Don't forget his name. I'm sure you won't. Verse 9. After him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, <laughs> the Ohohite, one of his three mighty men. When David, they defiled the Phil when David, with David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel retreated, he, verse 10, arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary. And check this out. His hand stuck to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. Here's the second, here's the second point. With this brother, we learn that in order to be strong and become a mighty man or woman of God, you need to be not only prayerful, but committed. When everybody's running away, you need to stand your ground. When you see people retreating, when you see people running, when you see people f running away from the battle, you need to be like this brother, and you need to fight in such a way that even when your hands are weary, your hand is stuck to the sword. What a sight that must have been. The only thing I could think of in my mind is when your hand cramps up and you can't open, and you're just, like, you're just like, and that's it. Like, man, if I'm, I'm, I'm going. That's how determined he was. And, and you, know, you don't really realize, you know, if it, it really was a, a hand cramping kind of thing, you don't really realize your hand's cramped until you open it. And that's when you, whoa, that's painful. Give us more men and women that are, even when they're weary, you're going to stay committed. This world needs committed believers who are willing to pay the spiritual price to grow in grace. Not to be messing around. Not to be involved in things we shouldn't be involved in. That, that we might keep our hands stuck to the sword. And of course, the sword is pictured in, in, in Ephesians as the word of God, the sword of the spirit. That our hands would not let go of the word. If you desire to be strong in the Lord, then your hands need to be stuck to the word. They have to be, it has to be what you look to. Whether it's you open your Bible right away or it's from a, a verse that you memorized, only the word of God is going to give you the wisdom and the direction that you need for your life. But not only that, notice Shammah in verse 11. He was the son of Agi, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together in a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils, and then the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, and notice, defended it, and killed the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great victory. You want to be strong in the Lord, a mighty man or woman? Be faithful. 
You stand in the field and fight. You stand right in the middle and you defend it. Shammah stationed himself in the middle of the field, defends it because God blesses faithfulness. Let me say this. God does not bless unfaithfulness. He can't. Shammah was told to guard the beans, the lentils. That's his, that was his direction. And when the Philistines came and attacked, everyone ran away. Except this brother. Whatever the Lord's given you to do, you stand in the field and defend it. Whatever the Lord's given you to do and everyone's running away. Because let me tell you something. We're humans and we have a tendency and we live in a culture, in our, especially in our, in our country, where we have been taught that majority rules. Even if majority is, you know, if they're out of 100 people and majority is 51, that we're supposed to follow the 51. That's kind of how it was ingrained, even if they're wrong. And the tendency as well for us as sheep to just kind of follow other sheep. Hey man, when everyone's running away, it's the one that's standing strong. It's the one whose arms are lifted up. It's the one whose hand will not let go in the time of weariness. That's when you, we're looking for the people to stand strong and defend it. Stay strong. Whatever it is in your life, stand your ground. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, that it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. And may I just speak bold to, boldly to some of you? Uh, maybe it's not to any one of you here uh, in a midweek, investing really precious hours of sleep and other things that you could be doing on a Wednesday night, but you have turned your attention toward Bible study and not homework and not hanging out and not video games, but truly seeking the Lord. Perhaps it's for some of you, perhaps not. But knowing that the Bible study goes out and is listened to in many different ways by many different people, let me speak boldly for a moment. There's too much quitting in the body of Christ today. There's too much quitting. Things get a little bit hard and people quit. They quit on the Lord. They quit on their friendships. They quit on their commitments. They quit on their giving. They quit on their outreach. They quit. There's just too much quitting. There's too, much, too many unrealistic expectations that when they're not met, the option to quit seems really attractive. I mean, everybody else is. Look at the body of Christ. Look at what's happening in the world today. Look at what's happening in each generation. I'm learning more and more as I oversee the congregation. Even the strongest of families are disintegrating. The strongest of families. Names that, I'm sure you see it in your own life. That names that when they're brought up and I go, no, that can't be. No, that can't be. I'm not hearing this. They can't be. That can't be happening. There's just no way. So many years of fruitfulness. So many years of love and commitment. And just quitting. Husbands quitting on wives. Wives quitting on husbands. Parents quitting on their kids. There's too much quitting in the body of Christ. Too many walking away from Jesus and following him no more. It was such in John chapter 6, verse 66, it was just over words people left Jesus. Just words. Oh, those words are too hard. And the Bible says that from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So many quitting on their marriages, on their churches, on their jobs, on their friendships, on their commitments. And if you're pondering quitting tonight, today, stay faithful. Because it's always too soon to quit. Always. It's too soon. More consequences will come running away than just simply facing what's in front of you, 
humbling yourself before the Lord and letting him work it out. Don't quit. Be like this brother, Shema. In the field of beans, man, going for it. I'm not moving. I'm here to do what I was told to do. Then three, verse 13, of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. And David was in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone should give me a drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. While battling the Philistines, we have an episode where David is thirsty as he viewed a well of water. And he spoke out loud. Yeah, it would be nice to have a drink of water. Taught, that's a favorite well of mine. And three guys next to him took him seriously. If my king wants a drink of water, then we're going to go fight and we're going to go get it. And they go get it for him. And here's number four in our list of things that will really help you. And I guess we could even add that no quitting one in there, but we won't. This is number four. And that is, you want to be mighty man, a mighty woman of God? Be sensitive to the Spirit. Have a discernment about you. Ask the Lord to give you the, the manifestation of the discerning of spirits. And be sensitive to the King. And the way that you're sensitive to the King, Jesus, is to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And here these guys are. They are hypersensitive to David and are willing to do anything for him. Even, get him a, even risk their own lives for a cup of cold water. Those are some committed men. Are you sensitive to the Spirit? Are you willing to risk your life for him? It's, it's one thing to obey Jesus, but it's another thing to hear his heart. And I know any one of us, at the right time in our lives, we would say, I'll die for Jesus. But you know, dying for Jesus is much easier than living for him. The real question is, are you willing, in your condition and where you are now, are you willing to live for him? Not go through religious motions, not become a churchgoer, not just go to this church and you don't like that and you go to that church and go like, and, but you know, I've been in church my whole life. Yeah, but you've been like in 50 churches your whole life. Serve the Lord with joy and gladness. Make a decision and a determination and be sensitive to the Spirit to be used mightily by Him because the longer, the longer we're not committed to Him, the longer we live in a lack of sensitivity and discernment, the more people are going to get ripped off. Because think about it this way. If the enemy can rip you off, he's going to take people with you. There's going to be people that follow you and listen to you. There's going to be people that look to you as an example. Your kids, your, your friends, your co-workers, you know, the ones you've been sharing with all along, and now instead of sharing with them about what's going on in your heart for the Lord, how you're praying with your kids, you're talking about the party scene again, and they're like, what's up with that? Are you, weren't you Mr. Mighty Man of God last week, last year? What happened? Well, you know, and then you start bad-mouthing whatever, which you're really just bad-mouthing the Lord, and people are going to go with you. Have a sensitivity. But notice what David did. David took the, the water, and he, it says in verse 16, he poured it out to the Lord. Here's our final one. You want to be strong and in in, in be a mighty man or woman of God, you, you need to be a worshipful person. And I don't just mean in song, but like your life needs to be reflective. Like David took that which was precious. Can you imagine how the guys felt? 
They, they risked their lives for him. And what did David do with the precious water? How valuable that, you know how valuable that water was? Three lives worth. Three lives. And they're standing there, and I know how I feel. I'm sure you know how you feel. Look what I did. King, you know, promote me. Uh, do something. We love you. We're going to do anything for you. Just understand that we're with you. And if you ever doubt that we're with you, you remember this cup of water that refreshed you that day. No, no, it didn't refresh him physically. It refreshed him spiritually because he poured it out to the Lord. This is a picture throughout the scriptures, not only of the offering and the sacrifice that would be poured out on the altar before the Lord, but even when we get into the New Testament where David speaks of himself as being poured out as a drink offering unto the Lord. Philippians chapter 2 and 2 Timothy chapter 4. Worship. David took the water and poured it out before him. He took that which was most precious to him and especially to the men, and he poured it out. He held on to nothing. Lord, make us worshipful, worshipful to you and for you. In verse 18, Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, the chief was of another three. He lifted his spear against 300 men and killed them and won a name among these three. Was he not the most honored of three? That's mentioned a couple times now. When things are repeated in the scriptures, especially so closely, pay attention to them. Therefore, he became their captain. However, he didn't attain to the first three. So Joab was, Abishai was Joab's brother. And he's mentioned as a mighty man of God. Notice Benaniah in verse 20 was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a value man from Kabziel, who had done many deeds. He'd killed two lion-like heroes of, of Moab. And he also went down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. He killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. An Egyptian had a spear in his hand. So he went down to him with a staff and wrested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Now these things Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, did and won a name among three mighty men. And he was more honored than the 30, but he did not attain to the first three. And David appointed him over his guard. So Abishai here is... Abishai is lifted up along with Benaniah as, as somebody that God used in a mighty way, even if before three. And we learn a couple things here. Number one, nothing you do is small in the eyes of the Lord. Nothing you do is small in the eyes of the Lord. Because notice, Joab, as we were studying through, you recognize that Joab had a much more prominent place in the scriptures of David's life than Abishai did. The times that Abishai are mentioned uh, are not all that positive. And there are a few not so positive with Joab, but, but there were some good ones. But in man's eyes, Joab was more powerful. But in God's eyes, it's Abishai that gets the credit here, along with this guy Benaniah. You know, things are not always what they seem. You might right now only be making an influence in three people. And... Three people are in your sight, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, wow, that's not many. But in the eyes of the Lord, it's many. It's very important. You go, well, Lord, I, I, would, I would want more. I, I, would, I would want to make a difference in six or a difference in nine. And perhaps that's God's will for your life, but you'll never make a difference in six or nine until you're faithful and appreciative of the three. And in God's eyes, Abishai gets the nod here. Abishai gets the nod for his faithfulness. 
the way God measures things is not the way that man measures things. The way God measures things, there's always that more than meets the eye. Things aren't always what they seem. Don't be so quick to be convinced by what you see or what you hear. Even if it's your own life and you're kind of examining your own life, don't be so quick to examine or to explain God out of the picture. Because not only is Abishai mentioned here as one that is chief, even if, you know, as he has the spear against 300 men, but he, named, he won a name among three. Praise the Lord. Benaniah, he also, he has these mighty acts, and he too. You know, Benaniah reminds us of God's preparation in our lives. Because you'll notice as you read it, he had killed lion-like heroes of Moab, but then he went down and killed a lion, a literal lion, in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. That's kind of an interesting testimony. He, and he's writing it. He's describing the guys like Moab as lion-like. So those are humans. But then when it comes down to it, it goes, oh, by the way, just like David, he went out and killed a lion. And you know, the Lord's always preparing us for what's up ahead. We wonder why we're facing the lion-like people of Moab. Why, why am I battling this fight right now? Well, because God is preparing you for the fight that's up ahead. He's preparing. God is always working today to prepare you for tomorrow. And ultimately, God is working in the todays and the tomorrows to prepare you and me for eternity. Just to, to know that we're going to be more and more in the likeness of Jesus Christ, preparing us for eternity to bring what? His will on earth like it is in heaven. Pastor Ed Taylor reminding us that God prepares His people. And this is Abounding Grace, our Friday edition. Thanks for listening. Would you like a CD copy of this message? CD copies can be purchased for $2 by calling us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Ed, many of our listeners will no doubt be on vacation here in the summer months and perhaps have a little extra time on their hands. It might be a good idea to add some apps to their mobile device to listen to Bible teaching as they're on the go. And we have a couple that we can offer them, right? We do, Larry. We offer the free apps here at Calvary Aurora for, for many, many months now. And literally thousands of people have downloaded both apps. So we have a church app, Calvary Aurora. Just go to your app store and put in the words Calvary space Aurora, Calvary Aurora. And then both apps are going to pop up. The Grace FM radio app. And also our church app, that is the way that we put all of our Bible studies up there, all of our videos, uh, all the information as it relates to our church. But I also want to, especially, I mean, this is only for those of you that have Apple devices, and I didn't control that, so it's not my choice, but you guys that have Apple devices, you can use the iBooks app, especially for summertime, and download all of Pastor Chuck's books that they put into digital format, I think they are still free. I didn't check uh, before this question, but I believe on the iBooks app, using an Apple device, all of the Pastor Chuck books that they digitized are free for download, free for the taking. And there's another app I think that would be good for you to download. It's the Word for Today app. The Word for Today. Uh, you could put TWFT or you could put Chuck Smith in your app store search bar uh, because uh, the folks at Word for Today, after past, Pastor Chuck's passing, he's in heaven right now with my boy, with my parents, and so many that have died before us. So Pastor Chuck's in heaven, and they put 
all of his studies that they could curate on this app for free. And it's an app I use every single day. I'm listening to Pastor Chuck uh, every single day. I just finished listening to a study about defeating the giants by Pastor Chuck. So get the Calvary Aurora app, Grace FM app, the Word for Today app, and download those free books on iBooks. I think that'll keep you busy for the summer. This month, we're pleased to offer an excellent book written by Ray Bentley. It's called The Holy Land Key, Unlocking End Times Prophecy Through the Lives of God's People in Israel. It's one thing to read prophecy, but this will help you step into its fulfillment. Pastor Ray spotlights significant prophetic signs contained in the stories of biblical characters, in God's creation, and in the lives of today's Israelis and Palestinians. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through the support of listeners just like you. It would be so nice to hear from you during these summer months. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Join us for our next study in 2 Samuel. That's on the next Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Aurora.